Uh, God bless you guys. Welcome to Swerve Church once again. Thank you so much for coming out on this hot Puerto Rican parade Sunday. And uh, yeah, don't be scared if you go out there and there's a lot of hooting and hollering and, and horn blowing and all that. Just the Puerto Rocks making some noise, so don't worry about it. Uh, they're just having some fun today. Uh, but welcome, man. Welcome, everybody, for, uh, for coming here and joining us today. It's a great Sunday to be here, and I want to welcome everybody. Man, I'm super excited about this series right here that we're kicking off called The Warrior. It's a brand new series, and uh, like Stephen was saying, it's a series dedicated specifically towards men. But women, don't worry. Just like Stephen just said, I truly believe that there's going to be a lot that you guys will be able to take away uh, from this series. In fact, you know, we, we can call you ladies our warrior princesses, okay? That's who we're going to call you. You know, but what's interesting is that if you look throughout the scope of the church, right, statistically, there are more women than men in attendance in any given day at church. That would certainly be true in our church. We typically tend to gather more women than men. And of course, we love you ladies, right? We love you guys. You play such an important role right here locally uh, to the church, but also to the global church at large. In fact, this is why we create space for you guys, right? A couple weeks ago, we had the Swerve Sisters event. It was just an opportunity just for the girls to get together. The food was catered for you guys. It was real intimate. They had an opportunity to worship together and, and to dialogue. And that's why we create those type of environments for you guys because we truly care about you guys. Ladies, thank you so much for answering God's call. This message series, it works as a way to invite men into God's heartbeat and into God's story. We're calling men out to join the mission of God into leading our wives and leading our homes, our families, our church, and yes, even our community, our neighborhood right here in Bushwick. You know, if God were to put out a search looking for godly men, if he was just looking for some godly men, he'll be hard-pressed to find some because there are not many out there. But even in the Bible, in the Old Testament, this was not uncommon. In fact, well, look at what God said through the prophet um, Ezekiel in the Old Testament. Ezekiel is an Old Testament prophet, and God is speaking through him. He writes this in the Old Testament. Check out what it says. In fact, you guys have this in your notes as well. Feel free to follow along. Those notes are there for you to keep. Go ahead, graffiti in those, write in those, take notes, fill in the blanks, underline, circle, asterisk, whatever you want, and follow along. Here's the verse. It says this, Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. God is speaking, I search for a man among them who would repair the wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land so that I might not destroy it. And here's some of the saddest words in all of Scripture, these next five words. Look what it says, but I found no one. Do you guys please just underline those five words right there in your notes. I found no one. God is searching for a man. He's looking for somebody and he cannot find anyone. And guys, this is why we're doing this series. Men, we want to build you up. We want to encouragement. This series, in many ways, is an investment in you. We want to invest in you. I would love, more than anything, to see men lifting up holy hands to God, up, up towards heaven and God in worship. Men in humility, kneeling down before Jesus in, in prayer. Men lovingly serving, sacrificing, and leading in the church and in their homes. Man, I would love to see that. And you know, part of the problem, I think, if you're, if you're a fella in here, if you're a guy, part of the reason why we don't tend to 
connect with the whole Christianity brand or whatever, is that Christianity has been painted in a certain light, right? And it appears unattractive for men. You know, for example, usually when we talk about Jesus, you talk about meek and mild Jesus, right? His hair is perfectly combed. He looks a little something like this, right? His hair is in place, right? There's not a hair in place. He has a perfect manicure. There's no calluses on his hands. There's no dirt under his fingernails. And for some reason, he's always holding a baby lamb, right? This is the picture of Jesus. In fact, a lot of artwork depicts him this way with his curly, beautifully kept hair. He's so perfectly manicured and groomed, clean. And then he's so innocent, so meek, so mild, holding a baby lamb. But look at what it says in Exodus about our Lord. In Exodus chapter 15, verse 3, the Lord is what? The Lord is a... Warrior, the Lord is his name. Do you guys underline that first part of the verse right there? The Lord is a warrior. This is who he is. Look how the Bible describes the Lord. He's, he's a warrior. Guys, we worship the warrior king. He's not a perfectly manicured keeper of sheep. Do you even know how much sheep stink anyway? Right? If, if, he, if, if he was walking around with sheep taking care of him, he would be dirty and stinky. But that's besides the point. But, but, but the Lord is a warrior. And I'd love for you to see how Jesus is portrayed in the book of Revelation. Because the book of Revelation points him, paints him in a certain light. You see, the book of Revelation uh, was written by one of the twelve disciples. The disciples, John. And John was so sold out for the cause of Christ. So in love with Christ. So passionate. So full of faith. That he's, he's exiled to an island called Patmos. And when he's on this island, he, he pens a vision that he sees of Jesus and of things to come. He gets this vision of Christ. And as we read these verses, there's a couple of verses there, I want you guys to think about, when you read these verses, is it the same picture that we just saw of Christ? Alright, you guys ready? You have it there in your notes, Revelation chapter 19. Here's what it says, verse 11. Then I saw heaven open. And there was a white horse. Its rider is called Faithful and True, and he judges and makes war with justice. Verse 12, his eyes were like a fiery flame, and many crowns were on his head. He had a name written that no one knows except himself. Verse 13 says he wore a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Who do you guys think this verse is talking about? Verse 15, a sharp sword came from his mouth so that he might strike the nations with it. He will rule them with an iron rod. Verse, uh, the last part of 15, he will also trample the winepress of the fierce anger of God, the Almighty. And he has a name written on his robe and on his thigh, King of kings, Lord of lords. How does that picture of Jesus line up with what you've probably seen all your life painted in children's picture Bibles? Is that the Jesus you see from the Jesus story Bible, right? It's way different, isn't it? I mean, this guy, man, he has a tattoo on his thigh that says King of Kings and Lord of Lords, right? This is a dude's dude. I think... I think you should understand, fellas, you especially, should understand this side of Jesus. Because if you did, it would make it much easier for you to follow Him, wouldn't it? Right? This is a guy that we can get behind. You know, not only can you get behind this guy, but don't you want to be like this guy? Don't you want to be like him? 
There's something inside of every man that I truly believe God has hardwired inside of all of us. And it's what makes us protectors and it's what makes men, you know, guardians. And so if you're taking notes, the first fill in the blank there, right there in your notes, I would love for you to fill this in. Men, God created you with the heart of a warrior. God has created you with the heart of a warrior. Now let me speak to the ladies real quick. All right, because some of you are like, man, I don't need no man. Okay, I got to do things all on my own or whatever, right? But listen, even you want a man, a man that can stand up for you, that can defend, right? You want a man, a warrior by your side. You want a warrior that will treat you like a warrior princess, that will protect you, that will defend your honor, that will stand up for you. When you get on the train, we'll give you a seat, right? That's the, that's the kind of guy that you want, right? Amen. Right? I, I don't think you don't want somebody like this. Check this out. Ladies, do you want that guy? Do you, do you want him? <laughs> right? They like push off her so I can get some leverage and get as far away from the rubber snake as I can. Right? Listen, men, God has created you with the heart of a warrior. And I hope, is my prayer, is what I really hope, that it can be said of us. That when God looked for some godly men to stand in the gap, to stand in the gap for our community, to stand in the gap for our families, to stand in the gap for our church. My prayer, my hope, is that when God looked for them, He would find some right here, right in this church. You know, I have a dream that one day men would passionately pursue a life of godliness and self-sacrifice. That they would put others before themselves. I have a dream that, you know, one day men would be loving husbands to their wives. That they would be loving fathers to their children and guys this is so necessary it is so necessary especially in a neighborhood like ours let me just talk about Bushwick for a second a neighborhood like ours where there's so much fatherlessness in our neighborhood there are so many broken homes there's people living in the cycles of poverty and incarceration over and over and over again listen I wish that we would stand up and be the men that God has called us to be and be the men that set trends in our community and that we set the example for the families here in Bushwick. That's my heart and that's my dream that we would be able to see men step up. A part of what we need as men to step up into the roles that God has laid out before us is some motivation. Right, Men, you, men have to be motivated. Ladies, here's a little, little trick for you guys, for, for you girls. Men need to be motivated. We need something that's going to charge our battery, right? And two nights ago, you guys, those of you that watched the NBA, the game four of the finals, right? Did, did, did the Cavs have motivation, right? The way they came out and dominated, what was their motivation? We are not going to get swept on our home court, right? So they came out with motivation. They came out with a force. That was their motivation. You're not going to sweep me on my court. And we're going to dominate this game. And they're set and broke records, right? In their first, the first half of the game. They did not want to get swept. So here, for us men here, if you're taking notes, here's the next. Fill in the black. Here's where you got to know. That every warrior has a cause to fight for. Every warrior has a cause to fight for. And uh, about a month ago, a little bit more, we did a series called How to... Uh, change your world in, in uh, 52 days and it was all about Nehemiah right and we were studying the character of Nehemiah in the Old Testament 
And so before we read this next verse, it's found in chapter 4 of Nehemiah. Before we read that verse, let me just refresh your memory for uh, those of you that weren't here. And, uh, and it was a couple weeks ago, so for those of you that may have been forgotten, Nehemiah is this ordinary guy, right? He's just an ordinary Joe. He's working literally a dead-end job, right? Like literally he drinks the wrong wine, he's dead. And that's the job that he's working. And he hears the news about the walls back home, right? He's from the city of Jerusalem, and he hears that the walls are in ruin. The walls are destroyed. And this does something deep down inside of Nehemiah. He realizes there's something that is a cause. There's something within him that wants to have him fight and do something about it. He says, somebody might as well do something about this. It might as well be me. And so he goes to accomplish this task. He goes back home with the permission of the king. And he begins to face opposition, right? So whenever you set out to do something for God, you know, you can be certain that opposition is going to rise. And as a response, he rallies the men. He gets the men together as they get these, this opposition. He gets everybody together and he gives them this speech. And he gives them motivation. He gives them this cause to fight for. You guys ready? It's in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14. Here's what it says. I stood up and I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, look what Nehemiah said. Don't be afraid of them. Remember. Would you guys please just circle that word right there in your notes. Remember the great and awe-inspiring Lord. And fight for your countrymen, your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your wives. And fight for your homes. And I love what Nehemiah is saying here. Because it sounds like... It sounds like a speech that you might hear like in a war movie, right? Like in Braveheart or something, right? Fight for your countrymen. Fight for your wives, your homes. And so I love what he's saying here. Men, aren't these some great causes to give your life for and to live for? Honestly, it's my heart once again that men would stand up for some of these things as well. Look what he says. He says, remember the great and awe-inspiring Lord. And it's my prayer that men who love that we would see men who love Jesus and passionately pursue Him and cry out to Him and serve the local church sacrificially. Men that open their Bibles and read their Bibles, that worship God with holy hands lifted high in surrender. I pray that I would see men that would remember the Lord. He says, fight for your countrymen. I, I wish we would see men who would want to love and serve our neighbors that would love our neighbors and serve them, who would want to show God's love in practical ways to the people right here in our community, who would engage the neighbors and share the gospel with them. He says, fight for your sons and daughters. I pray that we would see men who are present in the lives of their children, who are not simply baby daddies, right? But that they are involved in the life of their kids, that they, they are truly present fathers who regularly hug their child and tell their child, I love you and let the children know that they are loved, who connect, uh, I'm sorry, who correct and discipline their children with love and with God's patience and who disciple their children and teach them God's word and teach their kids how to pray and who model for their children the importance of serving at the local church. He says, fight for your wives. And I hope that we would see men who love their bride as much as Christ loved the church. Who will do anything to fight for his bride's heart. And do anything within his power to fight for purity within the marriage. And that would do anything to fight for longevity and for a lifelong marriage till death do you part. 
I pray for the homes. He says, fight for your homes. I pray that, that God would send men who would love their families and that we would become men that love our families, that we work hard to provide for our, ham, our families. And we're just not at home on an Xbox or on a PlayStation or while the wife goes out and, and pays all the bills, but that men would step up and provide for their families, that, that they would draw their family to Jesus that they would see themselves as the primary shepherd and pastor of their home. They wouldn't see me as the pastor of their home, but that they would see themselves as the shepherd, pastor of their home, shepherding and pastoring their little flock, their wife and their kids, drawing them closer to Jesus, that they can put the gospel on display as they walk the streets and they can show the world this is what a family looks like when you're submitted to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's my dream. And I know it's a lot to ask for, right? This week, and I totally believe God was just kind of affirming this to me. He was kind of confirming this whole series and everything because He allowed me to experience uh, something to really see how important it is for us to get this, for us to understand this. You know, on, uh, it was Thursday, Friday. I was parked outside on Knickerbocker Ave and I was waiting for Melissa to come down. I was waiting in the car. We were going to go do some errands or whatever, do some running around. And as I'm waiting for her, a, a lady walks by, could have been the child's um, mother or grandmother, and she's walking with a child, okay, and they're walking up Knickerbocker. Now, this child, he was a little overweight. He was a little heavy set as they were walking by. And so I'm just, you know, it, I wasn't trying to overhear, but they were, she was screaming so loud as she got to the corner, he must have said, he must have been complaining. How much more do we got to walk, mom or grandma or whatever? And she just starts yelling at him at the top of her lungs on the corner. No, I told you, we got to go down to Central and hang a left. And we got to take three more blocks. We're not there yet. I, I, she's just yelling at the, the poor little, he's over, he's a little heavy side, he's a little overweight. He's probably tired from walking around. And, uh, and she's just yelling at him, talking down to him right in the corner of the block. And I said, oh my goodness, what is she doing? And to give her the benefit of the doubt, maybe she had a bad day, maybe the kid was complaining a lot, or maybe her patience had just run dry, but she's yelling at the poor kid at the top of her lungs. And this happened Thursday, Friday, yesterday, uh, Junior is stepping up, so he's in fourth grade, and so at his school, he, he does a stepping up ceremony, and he starts middle school, fifth grade. Uh, so we were getting him, you know, a little tie, a little shirt, and all that, pants, and shoes, we went shopping, so we're, you know, we're taking our time, we're trying to be patient because oh, I don't like that color, we, we can't, he's in a, an awkward stage, like, you know, it's too short and too tight or too tight and too long, you know? and so we're trying to figure out exactly, trying to get everything, and while we're there, I, I wish it would have happened once, it happened twice, I'll just tell you one of the instances, while we're there looking at the clothes or whatever, um, another mom comes in. And she comes with two of her children. This time, they're older kids, you know, maybe teenagers, preteens, and it's a daughter and a, and a son. And so she comes in, and I guess you know how kids are. They fight with each other and stuff like that. And I, I don't know what happened, but the, the bigger sister smacked the, the younger brother in the ear. And so she smacked him. And so the kid starts to cry. And he's bawling his eyes out. We're, we're in Shopper's World. You know, there's people there. And the mom starts, she goes... She goes crazy on her daughter. Now, we're not talking about a little kid. Now, this is a teenager now. And she's just telling her, are you, are you kidding me? Can you be that stupid? How can you be so stupid? You are so dumb. 
How can you be this? And over and over and, and just reaffirming this negativity to her in the middle of the store. She's not whispering it. The whole bottom of the store can hear what she's saying. How can you be so stupid? How can you do that? You're stupid. You're stupid. And she just kept repeating that over and over and over again to this young lady. Men, I want you to remember this. Your words matter. Our words matter. What you say to your children, or to your nieces and nephews, or your little cousins, what you say to the little children matter. How you address and how you speak to your wife matters. Your words, men, have so much weight. They have so much weight. In fact, would you like to know some of the most important words that you can learn? Guys, fellas, maybe you want to take notes of this. Here's some of the most important words you can learn. Are you ready for this? I'm sorry. Write that down somewhere, like in big letters. I'm sorry. There's some of the most important words that you can learn. That you can, you know, let's be men that model humility, that model forgiveness. You know, as a dad, I've screwed up many times. And I've had to approach Junior or Christian or one of my kids, you know, Daddy overreacted. You know, Daddy had a lot on his mind, and I had to tell not excuse what I did. Look them in the eyeball and say, Daddy, sorry. I'm sorry I did that to you. I'm sorry. Men, let's, let's be men that model humility and that model forgiveness. So we mentioned before, every warrior has a cause to fight for. What's yours? What, what is your cause? Right? Maybe while we were reading that verse in Nehemiah, you say, yeah, man, that's, that's some of the stuff that I want to be for. For others of you, you know, God placed it in your heart already from when we first started talking, something that popped right into your head. Yeah, that's my cause. This is what God is calling me to do. Perhaps there's some other area in your life that you slacked off and you say, you know what, I got to pick up, I got I to get this together, I got to get this fixed up, and that's your cause. You know, whatever it is, you might just want to jot it down on the margin of your notes. Whatever that is, write it down. And this week, take some time to pray about it. But it's so important that we get this right. Here's why. A warrior without a cause to fight for will find the wrong thing to fight against. A warrior without a cause to fight for will find the wrong thing to fight against. And we see this all the time, right? These are, these are, the, these are those men who have been distracted and have taken their eyes off of what it truly matters. Right? So if their energies focus in the wrong direction, listen, men will fight until they're blue in the face about the silliest things. And so I'm going to rattle off some of the things men have fought about. All right? Let's talk how about which borough has the better baseball team. Yeah. It's obviously it's the Bronx, but still people have fought about, about that, right? Or what about this? Some people, you know, men have fought about which way the bathroom tissue should face. Should it be over or under? Everybody knows every godly person puts it over. You can't trust somebody who gets tissue like this. Right? How about this? Men fight about this. Boxers or briefs? Right? These are things that they fight about. How about this? Can Jordan in his prime beat LeBron in his prime? Yes. Right? And how about this? These, these are some silly arguments. Who's the strongest? I mean, right, I'm stronger. Let's, let's arm wrestle right now. I'll show you. I'm stronger than you. Who can burp the loudest? Who has the smelliest fart? They argue about the most ridiculous things, men. 
Because when you're distracted and you put your focus and your energy, you fight for the wrong cause. You forget. A warrior without a cause to fight for will find the wrong thing to fight against. When we speak of a warrior who had a cause to fight for, we must look at the best model of this. Do you guys know who this is? This is Jesus Christ himself. In fact, I would love for you guys to read this next verse. Read it out loud uh, with me with great Puerto Rican Day Parade enthusiasm. Here's what it says. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. Read it out already. Go. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I am the worst of them. This is Paul speaking. He's writing to his younger counterpart, to Timothy. And he writes, he pens these words. He says, this saying is trustworthy and it deserves full of acceptance. In other words, Timothy, what I'm about to tell you is of utmost important. So make sure, put down, you know, put down the device, put down the, the joystick, listen to what I'm about to tell you. This is super important. And he says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And you know what? I'm one of the worst ones of them all. Jesus had a cause. And what was that cause? Ladies and gentlemen, guys, girls, doesn't matter your gender. Here's his cause. The cause was you and I. That was the cause why Christ came. Jesus came into the world to save sinners just like you and just like me. You see, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. See, you and I stand before a holy and righteous God, and we stand before Him dirty, filthy, and utterly hopeless. But you say, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. That's what a lot of people think. I don't know how many conversations I had this week as we were in the park with people saying that, but I'm a pretty good person. But before God, guess what? We have all sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. And your good works and my good works are but filthy rags before Him, before a pure and holy God. And the only price for redemption of sin is the shedding of blood. And if the wages of sin is death, then your life is the only reasonable price. But God, in His infinite love for us, He provides another way. You see, God puts on flesh and comes through Jesus and becomes human in every way, just like you and me, with this one exception, that He lives a life without sin. And while our sin deserves the punishment, Jesus in turn takes our place. He climbs up the mountain called Golgotha, called the skull. He climbs up that mountain like a warrior. He takes lashes on his back from a whip like a warrior. A crown of thorns are impaled into his head. Nails are pierced through his wrists and his feet. And he's hung on a cross like a warrior. He cries out, it is finished, like a warrior. He hangs his head. He takes his last, his last breath and he dies like a warrior. And in his death, because it is the perfect death, and because it is the perfect sacrifice, the only sacrifice worthy of wiping away the sins of mankind, guess what? We can experience the forgiveness of sin. We can be made righteous, not because of our works, not because of anything we do, all because of what Christ did. And three days later, Jesus conquered the grave like a warrior. He raises from the dead like a warrior. He conquers Satan, sin, and death like a warrior. And He is made alive. 
And we too can be made alive. The Bible says that all we have to do to experience and partake in this great exchange, His life for our sin, all we have to do is confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, and guess what? We too will be able to partake in His salvation. Now listen, if you're here today and you haven't made that decision to follow Jesus, to put your faith in the King and warrior Jesus, then I want to encourage you to do so today. It's the most important step that you can take. In fact, everybody, please take out your connection card. As Stephen mentioned earlier, please fill it out. Put as much information as you feel comfortable sharing. If you're a regular tender, your name and email is enough. Turn it to the back. And on the back, there's some next steps for us today. And if you haven't made that decision to follow Jesus, then that's a step you need to take. It's the most important thing that you can do. I'm not going to have you raise your hand. I'm not going to walk you to the front. Check that off. We want to follow up with you, and we want to put some resources in your hands. For the rest of us, here's what we want to say. Men, think about this. What is your cause to fight for? What is your cause to fight for? Name it and pray for that cause this week. Women, here's what I want you to do. Would you please pray for the men this week? That we would respond to this message, that we would step into the role that God has called us to do. Pray for that cause of the men in this church. In a moment, you'll be able to turn that and Stephen will give you some next steps. But I'd love to just close this out in prayer. God, I thank you because you are a warrior that conquered Satan's sin and death, that paid the price for my sin, that died in my place. Though I deserved death, you instead grant me life. And so God, we thank you for the perfect sacrifice. God, I just pray for the men right now. I pray, God, that you, by the power of your Spirit, would give us the ability to step into the roles that you have called us into in, uh, in the lives of our homes, uh, with our families, in our church, and right here in this community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.